He is the light of the world. He has taught us to love one another. He has demonstrated love so beautifully that at his birth, wise men came to seek after him. And so this evening, I want to invite you on a journey with me as we follow these wise men, these magi from the east, as they follow a star to come to the Savior of the world, born in a manger, now living in a home. Tonight, I'm going to ask you the question, what is your response to the Savior? What will you do with Jesus? He did not come to allow you to sit idly by on the sideline. He came into this world to cause you to make a decision, to decide. Is he King of Kings and Lord of Lords or is he not? He said things about himself that most of us today would say only a madman would say it unless it were true. Jesus Christ is the one we are worshiping tonight. So tonight, as we read this narrative in Matthew chapter 2, I want you to listen to the words. It's on page 933 in your pew Bible. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, they replied, in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a cheerful, a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Pray with me. Father, this is your word. It is your recording to us about the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. 
Lord, part of your plan from the foundation of the world was that your son would leave his heavenly glory and be born into this world as a man and that he would be obedient to you all of his life, that he would teach about you, that he would heal the sick, that he would proclaim your love for this world. And then, Lord, in obedience to you, he would lay down his life in obedience to you, even to death on a cross. But you raised him glorious. You raised him victorious. And now he is seated at your right hand. And we are gathered here tonight to, to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Amen and amen. You know, as I think about this particular passage, one of the most interesting things is the three groups of people that are called out. First, there is the group that opposed Jesus. The group that opposes him. Herod fits into this group. After all, he was a murderous king. He's responsible for going and sending his soldiers into Bethlehem to murder all children who were not yet two years old in order to snuff out the savior of the world. Herod was a paranoid king. In fact, he was so paranoid that he killed his own wife and both of his sons because he felt like they were conspiring against them. Herod was the king of the Jews and he didn't want any competition. He opposed Jesus Christ. All of Jerusalem was, of course, disturbed as well. Why? Because anybody that would stand up and rival against Herod would certainly bring devastation to that town. And certainly it did. But you see, it wasn't just Herod and his followers who opposed Jesus. Jesus Christ has been opposed in every generation since. From the Emperor Nero in Rome to the caliphates in Middle East, to the communists under Stalin, to the Nazis under Hitler, to Idi Amin, the Ugandan murderer, to radical Islam, to China, who is now a place where they suppress Christianity. I will tell you tonight that 70 plus million people have died for the faith that they had in Jesus Christ. Today, they want to cancel Jesus, but the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Jesus said, if you disown me before others, then I will disown you before my Father, which is in heaven. No doubt you've come here tonight to worship Jesus. You're not in opposition to Jesus, but we live in a world where there is great opposition to Christ. And my question to all of us tonight, and I I ask myself this question first, am I representing him the way he wants to be represented to the world that he loves? Am I proclaiming him boldly to my friends and my neighbors and my co-workers Am I defending the faith that we find in Jesus Christ? Well, that's the first group. The second group is the group that ignored Jesus. Look at what it says there that the king actually inquired of the chief priests and the teachers of the law. It's interesting that while he inquired of them, 
that in fact a king was to be born, the king that they knew about. They even knew where he was to be born because they quoted the prophet Micah. They said he would be born in Bethlehem, and yet they stayed home. It's interesting to me that the religious leaders of Jesus' birth years ignored him. To ignore something is to intentionally disregard it. They pointed others to the Savior, but they did not go themselves. They quoted the prophet Micah, but they didn't obey it. They lived less than five miles away from the Savior of the world, and they refused to go see him. They were indifferent. They were indignant. They were insolent. They were impertinent. No, they sat in their self-righteous ways, hoping that no power would come and take theirs away. But you see, today we have many who ignore Jesus all down through the centuries. It's not just the chief priests and teachers of the law who have ignored him. The world we live in wants to just turn a blind eye to this one who claims to be the savior of the world. Many of us experienced the COVID times that we lived in and people got out of the habit of going to church. For many people that you know, it's just not that important to come into a relationship with God. They have competing priorities. They want to be somewhere else. They want to go somewhere else. They want to be with other people. They have other pressing needs. Others believe that the church is outdated, irrelevant, a social club for the elderly. Some fear commitment. Some are obligated. They don't want to make an obligation of their lives. They're busy enough being the captain of their own ship. They don't have time for Jesus. Some of them are actually convicted. They don't believe that maybe God would give them mercy, that God would forgive them if he actually knew what they had done. But here's a big one. Many people believe that folks in the church are hypocrites. I'm one. I'll raise my hand and say it. I do one thing and say another. That's really what hypocrisy is. But you understand that people are going to let you down. People are going to let me down. People have let me down. I've let others down. But Jesus has never let anyone down. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is sinless in every degree. Jesus Christ is the essence of God Himself. Jesus Christ came to love us when we couldn't love others. One of the early church fathers, Polycarp, would say as they lit the match to burn him at the stake for his belief in Jesus Christ, he would say these words, for 86 years I have been his servant and he has done me no wrong. How can I now blaspheme my king who saved me? There are reasons to be involved in the family of God. Do you want to be connected to a group of people who love you unconditionally? Do you want to feel the compassion 
that Christ compels us to offer for those who are going through a difficult time? You're either in a crisis or going into a crisis or coming out of a crisis. This is life. Doing it in the community of believers is a way for you to cultivate that compassion and to cultivate the love of God as revealed to us in Scripture. But it's also a way for us to celebrate what God is doing in our lives. On January 23rd, this church family knows this well. I was diagnosed with cancer. My doctor looked at Susan and I and he said, you have about 18 months to live. And this church family prayed for us. And everyone that this church family knew, they started praying for us. And the God in heaven heard your prayers. And He chose to lead us to a surgeon who said, yeah, I can do the surgery. And He removed that cancer out of my body. Praise God. I'm in remission because of Jesus Christ and His promises that He will never leave me nor forsake me. Let me share it with you. That night when we were told, you've got cancer, my answer was, well, why not me? Why not me? It always happens to someone else. And the next thing that went through my mind, I'm not afraid to die because I know whom I have believed. And I know that He is waiting for me when I meet that time in my life. Do you, do you know what will happen? Well, there's a third group. The first group opposes Him. The second group ignores Him. The third group seeks Him and worships Him. These are the magi, the wise men. They traveled, are you ready? More than 500 miles if they came from what we believe is Babylon. They sought Him, they inquired about Him, and they came to worship Him. They came to Jerusalem to worship Christ the King. And I find it's interesting that the word worship, really, if you can define it simply, is it's the sense and service of God or toward God. The sense of God and the service toward God. The Bible teaches us that our acceptable act of worship is to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And that's what worship is. But let me share with you, if you sense Him without serving Him, it's a mockery. And if you serve Him without sensing Him, it's a drudgery. You must do both. And these magi came to worship Jesus Christ. I would no doubt believe that every single person in this room had an online order that they bought as a gift for this Christmas season. Am I correct? In fact, this morning as I was coming to church, I was kind of struck by the number of trucks that were on the road. There were trucks passing me, trucks going beside me, trucks ahead of me, trucks behind me. 
bless the truckers who are bringing your gifts in time for Christmas. Bless the people who are in the shipping industry who are carrying these huge containers, thousands of them on these ocean-going vessels, bringing our gifts to us so that we can have them for Christmas morning. I want to ask a question. What would you do if you were on a website and you clicked, put that gift in my cart, and then proceeded to check out for them to send a little flag up on the next screen to say, you'll have to go and get your gift yourself. How many of you would hop on your camel and travel 500 miles. That's what these magi did. They traveled 500 miles to present gifts to the King of kings and Lord of lords, recognizing that the greater gift is the one they were going to see. The beauty of the Christian faith is that you don't have to travel 500 miles to meet him. In Acts chapter 17, Paul tells the Athenians in Greece this truth, that God has revealed himself so that men may seek him, so that men may reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Because in Him we live and move and have our being. The Bible teaches us to seek after Christ. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will be found by me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So don't oppose Jesus. Don't ignore Jesus. Surrender. Say tonight is the night that I'm going to follow Him fully. I'm going to lay down my life as an offering. The rest of my days I will serve Him. And then one day when I reach heaven, He will greet me with these words, Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm struck by the fact that the Magi returned another way at the end of this passage. I'm convinced that no one who encounters the risen Savior ever returns the same way. Your life will be changed.